Okay, let's do the uh, the profanity warning. Ah, it's your turn this week. Hey guys, if you don't like strong adult language, then this podcast isn't for you, I'm afraid. But if you're okay with a few F-bombs and a few S-bombs and a few adult references, then th- this podcast is, is just for you. It's made for you, in fact, and we hope you enjoy it. Damn Skippy. <laughs> There you go, man. <laughs> I like that. That was kind of professional. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> In a future where technology can no longer be trusted, there is Craigbot. I am Craigbot, and I will fuck up all your audio. After destroying some of the audio from our podcast, Craigbot laughed and mocked us. Ha ha ha, I ruined your audio. But an unlikely hero by the name of Jim, who is also very handsome, managed to fix the audio and splice it back together. Oh no, I've been defeated. He's so handsome. Losing only a few minutes, the audio was fixed, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast this week, guys. I'm Jim. With me is the magnificent Richard. Uh, I wouldn't go cussing me that far just yet. Uh, it makes you sound like a magician, the magnificent Richard. <laughs> it, it does, you know, and I did have to do some magic. This would be picking up. We had some people or somebody asked yesterday about what they needed to do to run a D and D session, and thankfully, I'm smart enough that I could answer it. Though it took me like an hour to type it out on my phone. You know, we we still got it done. <laughs> I'm one of those people where I type it out and then I rethink it ten times before I actually send it. See, I wish I could rethink what I say sometimes, but unfortunately I usually just hit the send button or the post button before I do that and then it gets me in trouble, you know. You're a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy, are you? Exactly. Um... But I do actually have an announcement. I posted earlier on my Twitter account, because I couldn't figure out how to do a poll on Discord, about how many, or what's the minimum number of sessions that you think it takes to keep a campaign going and with, you know, keep player interest, like, per month. Yeah, I, I think just I did answered that. that for you. I, I said two, yeah. Two. two per month is good enough for me, man. I'm easy. You're easy? I got oh, yeah. you. See, I, see, I'm just free, you know, other than easy. I'm just free. Are we going to go into Leonard Skinner here? <laughs> I'm a free bird, man. I'm a free bird. But the... Yeah, two sessions is good enough, man. Uh, like I, I personally enjoy, you know, one week we play and next week we take a break. That gives... The players a wee break, the guy the stuff to do gives the game master time to prep. I, I think uh, Fortnite the game is good and it gives anticipation uh, personally. Well and I tell you the reason I ask and that's probably gonna come back and bite me in the butt, but hey, you know, that's might never happened to me before. Um seriously contemplating doing a Star Wars five E campaign. And I know I can commit to one night a month, and I'm going to have to check my schedule to see if I can do two nights a month, uh, because the past couple of weeks have been really busy for me. So it'll at least be one. Exactly. And, you know, it's like I've, I've told people, and me and you have talked about, I'm not really confident in my abilities as a homebrew 
has done too hard. And I'm just, I've got to build up more confidence in myself with the homebrew stuff. I think homebrew is good and bad. It's good that it frees you up to create whatever you want for the next session. But it's bad that if you're in a funk where you're not feeling creative, it's difficult to come up with stuff. The, the best thing for homebrew is to steal from other places, whether it's books, other adventures and different types of fiction out there. But even then, you still have to come up with every aspect of it yourself, which can be good and bad, right? Yeah, um, I've tried doing a homebrew campaign before, but it like I wouldn't necessarily say fizzled out because it kind of exploded there at the end. Um, and you know, it's like you have to keep a balance of their like of the role playing aspect of the of battle aspect, you know, things like that. And I've also contemplated um, purchasing like some D and D Beyond books, like the campaigns and just adapting it to be star wars yeah which, that's a great well, idea i see see i know i have them every once in a while <laughs> you know <laughs> but i really thought about doing that um because that will still put a lot of work on me but not nearly as much i think as ho- actually homebrewing something from scratch basically because as you know i, I was watching some youtube videos last night because you know, go go figure. I can't go to sleep because my mind is thinking about doing this. So, mm-hmm. and um, it said that you know it's kind of like cooking a recipe that you don't want to put a whole lot of junk in there because it'll turn out nasty. But you know, if you put the right stuff in, then it's absolutely perfect, and it's not for everybody. So I'm like, huh? Maybe I can steal Jim's ideas, you know, and come out there and then I can blame him if it sucks, and if it's good, it's you know, of course, my idea. Yeah, running my homebrew campaign for the last two years has taught me, you know, a thing or two about it. Mostly that the next couple of campaigns I run are going to be adventures so that I can learn to properly structure a campaign through, you know, professionals that have made it. But the one thing that I'd do differently if I ran a homebrew again, which I will in a couple of years, is that I would have a grand idea for the campaign I would start it very simply and then build up the world around the characters to suit them and then go from there. And, and, you know, that's what a lot of the videos were saying. So if it took them like 20 or 30 minutes to say what Jim said in like two. So that's why Jim (laughs) is a very smart man and I enjoy talking to him because he cuts out out all the bullshit, you know. Luckily, Uh, my accent gives the false impression that I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know about anybody else listening to this, but I'm just sitting here picturing you like with your nose stuck up in the air like, oh, yeah, this is what you do. I can't stick my nose up too high or my top hat falls off. Oh, and and you'll drown if it starts raining, so we can't have that. (laughs) Uh, But, um, yeah, that's really all the announcements I have, like, concerning, like, me and, you know, what I'm thinking of doing. But uh, if this podcast does go up before Monday and Tuesday, D&D Beyond is lowering the price of their books for their, I think they called it Black Monday, but it's actually, like, Cyber Monday. You can get any of their books for $20 a piece. That's pretty good, man. That's like 10 bucks off, right? Yeah, it's usually um, $29.95 or I'll say like $30. So, I mean, you can you, you can save $10. So, anytime you can save money is a good thing. So, I, I would definitely get out there and check that out. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. And we'll start up a discussion in the Discord. Richard, if you want to post in the general chat or something about how many sessions people want to play and if they're interested in Star Wars Homebrew, which I'm sure they are, but you know, uh, maybe you can just steal the storyline from the Mandalorian, just have a baby Yoda in there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is actually evil this time, you know. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Oh, a baby Darth Sidious. You can go the other way. Oh, that is a good idea. <laughs> Not quite as cute, but <laughs> <laughs> like little baby lightning bolts coming out of his fingertips, you know. <laughs> that's awesome, uh, man. But yeah, I don't really have any announcements this week. Uh, I think that's great. Richard wants to do that. I'm going to be wrapping up my homebrew campaign over the next few months, which Richard's taking part in for the last leg of it, as they're in Baldur's Gate. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then once I've done that, uh, I'm going to be running uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay for a an adventure campaign. They've re-released a campaign from the 80s called The Enemy Within, which is apparently one of the greatest role-playing campaigns of all time. So I'm very excited to try and run that. So I'm going to make all the rules and characters and everything accessible so people can jump in. That'll probably be in uh, March, April time. And maybe a little after so until then i'm just running a few one shots wrath and glory's coming up i'll likely run either an alien rpg mini campaign or wrath and glory mini campaign in february as well so uh, that's it, about it for me i don't think there's been much in the games announcements this week but uh, um, i haven't i haven't seen any no but this week we were gonna talk about player participation but before that I just wanted to jump in and uh, have a quick chat about something that's relative to everyone right now, which is uh, a lot of people have been in lockdown for a while. And so I wanted to go over, you know, like people getting burnt out, like Richard talking about doing a slower burning campaign and the fact that some people are going to be on their own for the holidays this year and it's going to be a little tougher. So, you know... I'm going to try and run some extra one-shots over the holidays and hopefully other people can too. Um, If you feel that you need a group to get into for the holidays just for some company, please do uh, message me or Richard and let us know and we'll try to put something together to help you guys out. We don't want anyone um, feeling alone, uh, especially this year. So, uh, yeah, if, if you need anything, guys, please, you know, reach out to us and let us know. Now, I don't appreciate Jim keep kicking me in the shins there wanting me to, you know, stand up and say, yeah, I'll run extra one shots, too. Jim, <laughs> that, that hurts when you kick me, man. I, you know? It's OK, <laughs> man. You, you're already running like a million one shots. So, yeah, I think okay, we got Star Wars coming up this week. Exactly. Um, super excited about that. Um because like I said, I love that universe. Yeah, I love, I just love that time period, all, all the different time periods in Star Wars. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people have fun with it. They have played in them before. Um, this will be Jim's first time actually um, in a game that I'm running. So y'all tell him not to be too harsh on me. And that um, if he is, that he can talk to the unknowns and uh, know that I will kill his character. No hesitation. I mean, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, 
You wanted to talk about player participation this week, Richard. Um, I would. Uh, it's to me, it's very important. And you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. As, as anybody that is interested in running one, you know, should to get the feel of of what to do. And I've I've listened to somewhere. The players do, don't say anything. They just sit there and react to what, off of what the dungeon master will say. And me personally, um, there's times for that whenever a player should not say anything. But thankfully, I have been blessed with a group, like I said on Twitter, that I had the best D&D group hands down. They are all really big into the role-playing aspect, which makes my job a lot easier and Jim can attest to this whenever you are a DM or a GM you do a ton of talking already and yes <laughs> um, and especially if your group does not get into the role-playing aspect your talking is increased even more and I, I know me personally like, there, there are sessions where the group is not that talkative because I'm having to set the scene or explain things that are going on, and I can go through like two bottles of water in a session. I, I, I've had it happen, you know. But they thankfully talk a lot and do a lot of the role playing, which cuts a lot of, the, of my talking down. Which you know, one saves my voice, and two lets me look over my notes while they are role playing and talking with each other and engage with each other and, and the scenes. To like kind of get in my head what I want to do next, which I like I said I, I thank thank them for doing that. It makes my job a lot easier and a lot funner, and usually they can you know figure things out that way. And uh, like I said, man, it just makes your job a whole lot easier. Yeah, absolutely, I'd agree with that. I think there's different players as well. There's some players that approach a game and want to engage with it as if it's a soap opera they want the story of their character to build and lots of other npcs taking part in it and drama there'll be two to three sessions in a row where there's actually no dice rolling because it's all entirely narrative and then you have other players and game masters who enjoy the mechanical part of it and just combat and adventuring and they just want things presented to them there's nothing wrong with either way of playing it I think the difficult part is when you have a group that's a mix of the two and Richard and I were talking the other week about players that only engage when stuff's presented to them and they can seem bored when you're a game master. It's like this person only seems to engage when I give stuff to them. I don't think they're really enjoying it. But I said to Richard that someone told me, you know, if they keep showing up every week, that means they're having fun. So, you know, just keep going. And then you get the other side where the person wants to participate and engage with the story and have it thrown back at them. And so it's a balancing act between the two players. And what I say to players is that you get out of the game what you put into it. So if you engage with the game, then the game will engage with you and build your story. And if you don't engage with it, you'll just be presented with stuff and if you're not really responding to it, then, you know, I'm just going to leave you to tag along with the party and join in when you choose to. I will always try to push 
individuals though i'll say you know okay while you're doing that hey man what are you doing what's going on with your character how are they feeling and what's going on and sometimes i'll get a response that's short and it's like okay i'll leave you be and we'll move back onto the other characters like uh or uh i'll let i'll let phoenix talk to him because you know what happens whenever he talks to people it's always a messy end you know <laughs> but you know, you, you get out of it what you put into it, basically, is, is how I look at it. If, if I want a lot of role-playing and a lot of, like, storytelling, then I'm going to interact in different scenes. And, and as a player, as well as being a, a DM, you don't want to overstep onto other people. You know, everybody needs their own time, I guess is the best way to say it. You know, and as a DM, it's it's hard for me to judge am i giving everybody equal time am i you know giving one player too much time you know for for instance and i know we pick on you know jesse a lot but you know this is like serious here am i giving jesse too much time with his player as opposed to say you know philip am am i giving philip's character enough time you know and it's it's a hard balancing act and there's I've not found a formula that, you know, will give equal time to everybody. It's it's basically a judgment call. At least that's how I, you know, partake of it or see it. Yeah, it will never be balanced. You'll always have players that are more engaged with the game than others. And there's nothing wrong with either style. If you really enjoy getting into the story or you really enjoy just sitting back and having things thrown at you, there's nothing wrong with it either way of playing it. And it's sort of... I just expect players to accept the way that the game is run, that if they're engaging with it, they get engaged with, and if they're not, I will try to engage them as best I can, but, you know, it's kind of difficult to push a character's story forward when they're not contributing in some way. So, you know, either way is fine, and I like a balance between the two as a player. I enjoy the narrative, but I also enjoy the adventure and the mechanics of it. So I like both and you know I've played in a game where it's basically all story and the characters sit around talking a lot and to be honest with you I didn't really enjoy it because there'd be entire sessions where we're just sitting around going through a character's story and I like to break it up a bit more um, rather than just spend the entire session talking to one character or not doing any dice rolling but then some players do enjoy that so you know i think it's playing to each player's uh you know like what they want out of the game rather than just thinking i have to engage everyone equally you'll never be able to if they're not um contributing to the narrative as everyone else is i fully agree uh, jim is like on point today you know so we got to give him like a couple of jelly beans and a clap on the back <laughs> and he, he, he's just doing awesome today <laughs> But oh, it, man, it, it's it, so it, motivational. I'm, I'm telling you, it's probably because of uh, all the coffee I've had. You know, tons of energy for right now, but whenever it all goes away, it's going to be like... Uh, <laughs> 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 kind of like on Wednesday night. Oh, it was wonderful. Um, But yeah, it, you just got to find what suits you and find your style. Yeah, I think that's the important part. There's different game master styles of narrative and mechanics and same with players and it's just engaging people at the level that they want to be engaged at i have players in my 
weekly campaign who just like the mechanics and so therefore whenever I present something to them narratively it's a choice a mechanical choice for them rather than a narrative choice sometimes there's flavor to it but it's you know do you want these uh, 40 good rations for uh, 20 gold or, or do you want these 20 bad rations for 2 gold you know and then they make that choice mechanically oh well um do i want this or do i want that and obviously that's just uh you know off the top of my head but i try to give them that option and then the players that like the narrative stuff it's like oh this guy shows up and says this what do you do how do you react to that and they'll engage with that so yeah it's it's just engaging with them in the way that they want to be engaged but never feel like oh this player just doesn't want to play they're not interested they don't contribute to the story some people just enjoy the game by being along for the ride by hanging out with their friends and rolling a few dice every now and then and some players like the spotlight and that's the other thing is some players can enjoy the spotlight too much and overshadow everyone else with the narrative campaign i played before that i said you know i just didn't really enjoy it that much um i went back to it and there was a player in there who was kind of overshadowing everyone else whenever a situation came up it's like oh well i'm going to use this spell and it's like well what about everyone else and then whenever there's some kind of narrative situation they jump in and my character says this and does this and it's like well the person wasn't even engaging with you maybe you could let everyone else step in first and in that aspect it's kind of up to the game master at that point say hey man i know you're really excited but let's see what the other players want to do or to politely say to them well your character's busy at the moment with something else so let's see if someone else wants to engage in that but you will always encounter a player that steps on other people's toes and sometimes it'll even itself out between the players but sometimes the game master needs to recognize that and step in on people's behalf and the game master uh, didn't and i was just like ah, i'm not really enjoying this uh player so i think i'm i'm gonna move on i mean like um whenever you were saying that, i was thinking about samuel l jackson i think it was snakes on the plane sit down motherfucker before i shoot you down you know <laughs> <laughs> it's not your turn sit down but yeah it's all in all find what like i said before you know find what works for you find what you enjoy you know and most of all and jim and i have said this before this is a game have fun you know if you're not having fun find one where you are having fun yeah i totally agree there's other games out there that are purely mechanical and there's other ones out there that are purely narrative so you can always find something in between dungeons and dragons is probably the best example at the moment of something that allows both the enjoyment of the mechanical part or exploration of narrative through the description of spells and features and stuff like that can be interpreted in different ways and used however you choose throughout your campaign so i think dungeons and dragons is definitely the best middle ground at the moment oh yeah and and the rules and and things that you'll come up on are you know up for interpretation you know we had something like that come up this past wednesday uh in the session with exhaustion um because and and the way i run games and there is spoilers here so if you want to listen to the rhyme of the cross maiden podcast uh i would not listen to this section 
you know, warning, warning, you know, tornado warning or whatever, you know. Um, Hurricane warning. Yeah. <laughs> Blizzard warning, actually. Um, anytime something comes up in the game on the pre-written part on my end, I always roll dice. You know, I don't want you know, to be like, oh, I'm trying to kill them. It's straight up dice roll for me. Uh, I enjoy that. It lets me roll some dice, you know, whenever I'm taking six hours hours well i had wrote that down in my notes and the other thing was they went across this way to do a random wilderness or weather effect well i rolled for that got a uh 20 <laughs> um then okay rolled for you know see how long that the blizzard lasted which was 2d4 and happened to roll two four so the blizzard lasted eight hours oh, man. um each each hour i can do that well how many different ways can you describe snow it's cold it's wet it's windy it's cold oh wait i didn't said that <laughs> you know i mean th- there's only so much you can do so while in game um i had gotten adrian to let's change the time to to five minutes you know, every five minutes was an hour, and it got to the point where there's like the timer would go off, and everybody would be like, "Oh God, not again!" Well, two of the characters kept rolling really low, and they finally got to <laughs> level six exhaustion, which means death. You know, and mm. I'm thinking, "Oh God!" You know, and and in the podcast, I said, "Jim, I'm trying, I'm trying to save them, Jim." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um. Yeah, so you have to be flexible here, and it's the first session, and they hadn't even got halfway to where they need to go, you know, to complete the first quest. And it's like, okay. And so we we talked about it, and I left it in the podcast because I thought it would be good for anybody who listens and wants to learn to DM, you know, from the interpretation. Because whenever it said level six exhaustion was death, you know. I was okay with rolling death saving throws because that's usually what you do when you die. But mm-hmm. they um, also brought up the fact that, well, it's death. It's straight up death. It's not like in battle. And we could not find an answer to it, you know, because it is up for interpretation. And, yeah. you know, like, which way do you go? So, you know, we said that they actually died, you know. So I'm thinking, well, how how are we going to get you know two new party members? So, uh, lo and behold, the wolf dug down and or the dog dug down and found you know restor, restor, restorative. There we go, my redneck accent and and I'll get in the way the restorative scrolls and also re- remove exhaustion. You know to to try to help them get across this and you know should I have done that? Looking back, maybe not. Um, but while in session, it's like I got to do something to get them to point B from point A, and this is the only way that I can think to do it because you know sometimes my intelligence does not show up. Um, usually, it's like a negative five no matter what I roll. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's like, what do you do, Jim? You know, how do you do that? And that that was the way that I found to do it. And once they got to this point b you know they found some restorative tea that's not in the campaign but was because i felt that they needed it and um 
not pointing anybody out, but you know, I've looked like other stuff in other areas. Like, should you save your parties at at level one? And you know, it's really half and half. Some say yes, some say no, because as you know, level one characters can die if they sneeze wrong. Yeah, but it's all interpretation of the game master how you feel you want the campaign to go during the part where they were traveling through the tundra and they had to uh, make these constitution saves did the party discuss potential things they could do to protect against the cold at any point um they had dug down into the deep snow to to barricade against the blizzard winds Mm-hmm. Um, but still, while they were out there, they would have to make constitution saves, you know, because I, of the cold and all. I think like a compromise there could be that if they were digging down, they were trying to do that and they didn't come up with ideas of how they would protect against the cold. I think a uh, potential solution, this is just, you know, again, my my style of running the game and some people will say I'm wrong you know I, I would have just said hey guys um, what skills or features or spells do you have that you think would contribute to protecting you against the cold and if at least half of the party can succeed here at either using a spell or a skill to help out then you know I'll I'll give you guys a break from the constitution save and, and you can rest here and, and recover a bit but then that way they feel like they're doing something with their character to contribute to getting out of the situation rather than just we're helpless here and we're rolling these saves and we're getting murdered <laughs> and it's tough you know like i think you handing the control over to the players you know can be scary but it empowers them and makes them feel in control of the situation and then if they fail it's like well we tried and, and we failed rather than just this com- it's the weather it's completely out of our control i mean you could have anything from obviously a survival check i want to use my survival skill to try and you know build up a proper barricade you could even have someone say i want to use my religion skill to pray to my god to try and protect us from this cold or you could even do a persuasion skill i'm going to persuade everyone that we're going to get through this and things are going to be okay and i'm going to lift their spirits up and that's just the skills not even including potential features like obviously a dragonborn um that's white so it's got cold resistance or maybe they have a spell they could use even some kind of light that might produce warmth or make them feel warm again I mean, well, there, there is stuff that can be done, but it, it's if the players don't immediately come up with it, you know, presenting them with the tools that they need to get through the situation could could also help. And I know it's tough to come up with stuff on the fly game. And I say, okay, what skills do you have, and what other stuff do you have to make, maybe get through making this? it? You know, actions don't have consequences because they do. You know, so it's like. And, and, and I talked with the group and, you know, asked them about that, you know, what they thought. And basically it, it comes back to, you know, if, and, and I'm not, you know, saying this correctly. I know basically if the DM saves the, the party all the time, then there's no consequences for actions. If of that course. makes, you know, and while that's, it wasn't really said to me like as a judgment like hey you're doing bad here you know, it was saying as a um 
like a help tactic maybe is, is the way to put it i personally for one appreciate constructive criticism there we go you know i personally want to appreciate that because it helps me grow you know it helps me look at things differently like you know helping me to be a better dm in other words yeah you know, hopefully that makes sense and you know i appreciate the group being honest with me because you know i'm honest with them and the more they help me grow the the better their their time will be in this hellacious hellacious campaign how uh, taking the, the group out of it for a moment how do you feel as the dm um if you killing the two party members i know not intentionally but killing the two party members in the first session how, how do you feel about that do you feel that it's oh that's the way the dice roll or do you feel like oh maybe i should have done something there well i looked at it while it happened or like immediately after it happened like was it too harsh but it wasn't my call you know because it was the roll of the dice and and their roll of the dice that did not save it and and after the fact i looked at like yeah maybe i should have done a group check instead of each individual person you know making check which is how i went with it you know and that's why i say god i always second guess myself and i I can't stand that but at the same time i can't stop it either i've tried you know and i felt bad that their characters died you know and i i think that's the reason that i gave the dm help by bringing them back was because i did feel bad and you know i i need i need to be better at stepping back and like look it's not my fault but that, but that's hard whenever you you like the people that you're playing with and you like the character concepts you know and i had to look at it like like the real world in in other words people die i mean it's a part of what happens in life and while this is a game in the game it's their character's life if that makes any sense yeah absolutely and i mean some people would make the argument of well that's the way it goes so their characters died and you you know you shouldn't do it any differently and a lot of people would disagree with what i said about trying to present the players options to get out of it but I mean, it's also presenting the idea to the players up front of, you know, like, hey guys, look, you, you could die here. Whereas, you know, I usually say to players, first level, you, you, you're not going to die. I, I'm not going to let you die at first level. But once you're at second level, gloves are off. And if you, if you fuck up, you, you're going to die. But, you know, it, it's, it's personal preference, right? Some I feel that some people are fair and they say look this is the way the dice rolled and you've died and then there's other people that relish in it they're like ah look you died a level because you <laughs> had poor dice and that's kind of shitty as well so i think you know it's, it, it is what it is the players died you revived them gave them another chance they know now that this campaign is going to be rough we're going to have to really think before we do something and it might actually benefit the campaign in the long run that you did that at the beginning you threw them you threw them some rope you you know safety net and said hey guys i'm gonna help you out this time but in future if you run into a blizzard you've got yourselves to blame for that i i, I think that's fair and and speaking of that um we were talking about it because we used the whatsapp to you know chat back and forth um 
and you know and adrian had had said what he said about you know didn't want it to take away from their experience and and like i said i know i i, I named him but i personally want to appreciate what he said because it helps me grow and you know i got to thinking about it and i said okay from now on i'm gonna let the motherfuckers die you know <laughs> and <laughs> and i said that in the chat and i'm not meaning it in a mean way i'm what i'm meaning by saying that is that i'm going to step back from helping you know and and let them play you know which is what they're there for anyway you know to to let them play and you know if they die they die take the meat take the coin take the your rations take whatever you take off the bodies and and go forth if it happens it happens i think from the player perspective as well dying at first level sucks because you've just made the character you've just made the concept as you said and you're really looking forward to playing as them and it's like oh man i lost this character once you're at level five or six you've explored the character a bit and you're like if they die and i have to make another one that's okay so yeah. I, I think there's some leniency from my perspective. I, I give a lot of leniency with stuff in D and D. Maybe too much sometimes. Like oh, there's a lot of <laughs> well, there's there's some DMs out there where someone will throw a javelin at an enemy and impale them with it, and then they move on, and then they say, "Oh, my javelin." And the DM will say, "Well, you didn't pick it up. You didn't tell me that you did that." And it's like, can we just make the assumption? that they have enough sense to just go and pick something up after right. they use it can we unless it's gone for good why why are you doing that right you know and while i did bring their characters back um Talarn and flu is the characters that died they they were brought back but they suffered consequences for having died like um one of them flew who's a bard went into a a different plane and saw certain things happen and uh. Talarn who you know was brought back who is a um, a fighter you know now has certain things her her god may have changed you know so, so there were consequences at the same time for me that's, bringing them back that's a fantastic compromise there is that you brought them back but you gave consequences i think that's perfect to do that um i enjoy the critical injuries table of other role-playing games because it's like if you go down in combat you don't get revived and things great again you might have some kind of lingering injury or something that puts you at disadvantage for the rest of the campaign because you've gone down so now you really have to think when you're getting low on hit points so I think you providing that as a consequence, that's a that's a perfect compromise. You help them out, but there's a cost. I think that's great. Yeah, well I didn't give any of them a chest, baby, like I was given in the alien RPG, but <laughs> you know <laughs> but, but something there, you know, and like I said, I, I do have the best group and they're helping me grow and you know, they're having fun. and um by the fact that them dying two of them dying they now have their name for the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden campaign. What's that? They're, they are the Deadheads. The Deadheads. That's a great the name. <laughs> um, but that uh, that podcast will be coming out uh, hopefully in the next week or so. Uh, there's still like two episodes of the Curse of Strahd to go. But I'm waiting on a friend of mine to record an intro for uh, the Deadheads. He is a... Um, 
indie rap artist and he said that he would record me a uh an intro so we'll see how that goes that sounds really cool man i'm excited to hear that well you don't want me rapping you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) unless it's wrapping up a sandwich to eat later but that's a different story man um yeah how do you find finding um rhyme of the frost maiden as an adventure module to run brutal absolutely brutal you know and, and part of that too is, is a dice roll that we had you know whenever i was taking the notes down and the ones that they were taking down but like i said in the podcast and you know i'll say here being a dm i know what's coming as well you know yeah. and it's like oh god that's brutal oh god that's brutal y- y'all are facing a a frost giant at level one you know oh god how how, oh, how could you know but yeah, I'm not saying that they actually are going to face a frost giant, but it is a possibility on the table, I believe. You know, they can face anything from nothing on the random table, wilderness table, to facing a Yeti, I know it's on the table. You know, so anything is possible if you hit that table. And you're supposed to do that once every, I think, four hours is what the campaign says. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's absolutely brutal, could could you imagine facing like a frost giant at level one? You'd no, have man, to get destroyed. <laughs> I mean, you will get absolutely murderized. That's you know, but, uh, when you say to players, you know, you can retreat. <laughs> run, run. Uh, yeah. As someone that it, hasn't really run an entire um, adventure module before, have you read through the entire thing once or twice, or do you sort of go a few steps ahead but not too far? I I go a few steps ahead, um, but not too far, because I found when doing the Curse of Strahd that I went too far ahead, and we're getting and I could find myself like getting mixed up whenever I was taking notes or in parts of the podcast or the session. So with this one, I've doing like one section at a time because like i said i love this group i do um you can also get too far ahead and think oh man i'm good for weeks here with notes and then they do something or say something that uh okay let me get off the cuff here you know fly by the seat of my pants um which i love i love the improv but i'm i want to read ahead i want to find out what goes on but at the same time since i can't play it you know other than like actually running it you know i want to come across it as they come across it you know to, yeah, that to makes keep, sense. That, keep that excitement so when you're running the adventure module again i'm asking these questions as as someone that hasn't run a full adventure module before and so as i'm looking to do one next year uh, i'm you know i want to know this stuff when you're about to run a section of the adventure do you reread that section like once or twice the week you're going to do it? Or do you just have notes down and, and a general idea in your head? <laughs> it's funny that you ask that because basically my notes are the whole entire section because I take way too many notes. and um, But I usually will read over it again uh, the, the week or so heading up to the session. And more especially the day of, I'll sit there like on my phone and you know, whenever I get five or ten minutes here or there, I'll go over it, you know, as quick as I can. I'll read over my notes and make sure that I got things down right and, you know, see 
and try to figure out like if if this happens what will they do and i'm going to learn better because every time i think oh they will do this they do the exact opposite you know um but i i like to try to familiarize myself with it and i find that my note taking which is quite extensive uh, for a pre-written campaign works better for me because I can usually remember a lot better with the amount of notes that I take. Yeah, I mean, trying to predict player behavior is a surefire way to drive yourself insane. Those <laughs> are the DMs we were talking about last week where they make way too many notes and then yes. they get bummed out when the players do the complete friggin' opposite, which is yes. all the time. Um, have a general idea and then build from there I mean I've started learning that for my NPCs I used to write them that oh when the players do this the NPC is going to do that or say this and now I know that instead of that just have a backstory for the NPC have one piece of information they have one motivation they have and then play them that way and engage with them and get to where you need to go with them and the players can do whatever else they want but yeah as richard said earlier this podcast and last podcast you know you're reacting to stuff for the most part and that's the thing that i've had to learn is is that i'm not dictating i'm reacting and that's the best way to engage Right. And speaking of that, I I got a question for you. Um, You remember when Phoenix was introduced and it's like the second session that I was in with you all and the guy was on the cliff that uh, was broken and battered and Phoenix went down there to check on him. Yeah, so for anyone listening, um, I run a Sunday campaign, if I can speak English, and (laughs) and Richard's in it. He plays Phoenix, who uh, worships Merkel, who is the the god of death, for anyone not familiar with the Forgotten Realms. And I presented a scenario to him where he could hear someone shouting for help down a cliff, and another party member helped lower Richard's character Phoenix down on a rope to this injured man laying on the cliffside. What was your question about that, Richard? What had you predicted that Phoenix was going to do? I hadn't predicted what you were going to do. The reason that I put a dying man on the cliff's edge in a scenario where I knew that you would have access to them is I wanted to see if your character would save the dying man or intentionally kill him. And you intentionally killed him. So I was like, oh, okay, now I know where you stand. <laughs> I, I presented it as a moral situation and you reacted I, I was kind of shocked I think everyone else was very shocked and now that set up the, the the president in the campaign that oh this guy will just murder people for the god of death if he thinks that they're not going to make it uh, he saved him though saved him from all the pain that he was in yeah you're such a Samaritan we're all really glad <laughs> well that's how Phoenix looks at it you know and yeah um he he looks at it he's saving him from the pain yeah he could have healed him but he's not (laughs) it was actually probably a good thing that you murdered him this guy had uh the eggs of a giant eagle on him that he'd stolen and if richard had healed him and brought him back up the giant eagles would have attacked the party um the next day so there you go yeah (laughs) 
everyone thinks Phoenix is evil, but he's actually really good. <laughs> I like creating those situations where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> oh, I'm not damned. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love things like that, you know, because and it's a video I watched. It's one of the things I, I can't really stand when somebody says, well, my character would do this. Well, no shit. You're playing your character. Don't say what your character <laughs> would do. Just, just do it. You know, um, and don't play. If your character is a lawful evil, which is what Phoenix is. You know, because he's a he's a cleric to Merkle. Don't play him like a chaotic good. If he's evil, play evil. You know, yeah. and, and the best way to play an evil character, in my personal opinion, is to play a good character. You know, you don't want to yeah. be the evil one that goes out and murders your party. You try to convince him that you're good. You know, and then when the time comes, do your thing. But well, if you were pure evil, you'd have to have a reason not to murder your pie. There'd have to be something holding you back, right? Exactly. You know, and, and got, like I said, I cannot stand up. Well, my character would do this. I'm, I'm just playing my character how he, how he should be played. Well, no, no shit. You know, you're the one that created him. Play him that way, but don't, be, don't keep saying, that, well, that's what my character would do. Your character did it. Are you talking about when someone hands off the responsibility of what their character does because, oh, my character does that. I'm not doing it because I'm a dick. That's just what they do. Yes, yes. you are being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You are you're, being... you're being an absolute dickhead. Uh, <laughs> to fucking stop. Exactly. Yeah, I can't stand you, you, Technically, you are making the decisions for your character. So if you are impacting an NPC or someone else, that's fine. But if you are killing another member of your party, that is you doing that and you're not a very nice person. <laughs> you're being a dick. You know, Phoenix has no intentions of killing any of his party members for his own particular reasons. You but have motivations for the evil acts that you commit. Exactly. You know, certain things must be done. And Phoenix, like I told Jesse, the, you know, um, Cracker, who's a paladin, he has his reasons for doing things. You know, keep it balanced. And he's the one who, while other people don't like to do certain things, Phoenix enjoys doing those things because he's had to do them his entire life. Richard actually did a very good job of integrating into our party for two reasons. Um, a lot of people will jump into a party that's already established and the party will reject them because they'll start coming in and saying, oh, I'm amazing and my character's great because the character's new and fresh to them. And the rest of the party are like, hey, man, we've been playing for like two years. Who the fuck are you? Get out of here. But Richard <laughs> came in and as Phoenix to the party that had been together for two years, he said, hey, guys, what are you trying to do and how can I help? And every time a situation came up, Richard's character was there to assist him in some way and then when the opportunity arose of me presenting that man on the cliffside to him Richard was like oh this is my opportunity <laughs> to narratively show the party what I'm about and no one in the party thinks to themselves oh Richard killed that guy for no reason like he's a nice guy he fit into the group and his character has reasons for um, bringing people to death Right, I mean, have a reason for what your character does, not just because you want to be a dick or because you want to steal the limelight. And I, th I think Phoenix fit in very well again because 
he's not a man or a dwarf, excuse me, of many words. What he says should be taken as important, you know, but he's not just going to speak just to speak. Yeah, I, I love the way that you talk in riddles almost when you're communicating with someone. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I, but I can't emphasize enough that anyone out there, if you're jumping into a group, try to work with the group and then trying to shine a light on yourself and people will cooperate with you and you'll get a much uh, deeper and richer experience from the game. And the other thing with character motivations and playing them up is if you're in a one shot and you have a one dimensional character, that's fine and that's fantastic. But when you are in a campaign, don't think about, oh, my character wants to do this and, and that. I have a long-term goal for them. So in the last campaign where I played as a player, uh, I was playing a dwarf called Budrum, and I had the long-term goal of I wanted to open my own tavern. So he was trying to get enough gold together that he can retire and open a tavern, and that was his motivation. And he wanted all of his party to get in on it with him and all participate in running the tavern in one way or another. And that was the overarching thing. There was things day to day that he had to do. We got to fight a goblin today. We got to go and talk to this person tomorrow. But at the end of it, it this is what I want to achieve. And so you're sort of just drifting from one thing to the next. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't put into their character. And it, it's very important. It is. Um, and I know we're still recording the podcast here, but what do you think about next week? We talk uh, campaigns versus one shots. I think that'd be pretty interesting. I know I'm putting you on the spot yeah. right now saying that, but you know, yeah, there, there's, a big there's a big difference in the characters that you create for a campaign as opposed to a one shot. And, as far as being a DM, there's a huge difference in a campaign and a one-shot. Yeah, it's a slow build and there's a quick pop. And those are the two main parts. So, yeah, absolutely, we'll do that next week as well. We can talk about our experience with Star Wars 5e, Richard running the game and me participating in it as a player. Um, so that should be pretty fun. I hope so. I hope I don't kill everybody, you know. <laughs> I'm curious now when I go into the game. I'm like, is he going to kill us? <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Or at oh, least here. Well, guys, if there's no <laughs> podcast next week, it's because Rich killed us and I don't forgive him. <laughs> he probably They probably won't be a podcast next week then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think we're winding down so uh i'll leave y'all with uh i'll hear you next week if you would like to contact nice of the braille please use the following contact information uh if you'd like to contact me you can find me at on twitter at richard bean 83 that's r-i-c-h-a-r-d B-E-A-N-8-3 You can also email me at DellJuniorFan83 at gmail.com That's D-A-L-E-J-U-N-I-O-R F-A-N-8-3 at gmail.com And Jim has allowed me to run the Facebook group for Knights of the Braille You can find us by searching us up on Facebook for under Knights of the Braille you can also find our website at www.knightsofthebraille.com. You can email us, knightsofthebraille at gmail.com. 
and you can contact us on Twitter at Braille Knights, which is Bravo, Romeo, Alpha, India, Lima, Lima, Echo, Kilo, November, Indigo, Golf, Hotel, Tango, and Sierra. You can also join us on our Discord, which is linked through our website, and please present any questions there to us if you need help with anything. 